When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 793 of Low Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined today by Ben Funky Askren, James Dean Raider, not Shane Sparks, and soon, Helen Maruas. Helen, coming at the top of the hour. That sounds very industry when you say top of the hour. Our producer, Tyler, said it before the show started. I was like, man, we can sound like some real real hard-hitting journalists if we say that so that's what that's my hour. attempt uh ben you were you were talking about uh you're talking about luna uh <laughs> coming in we were yeah you we don't were. want to talk about luna this is like bruno you this is like bruno. bruno you made a reference to that one time you said we don't talk about bruno i was like what is he talking about and then i realized it's from a, a disney movie yeah my kids watch that oh, movie like you know what they were off it what I'm looking at the pro- <laughs> Luna Price. He just oh, realized not, JD. Not pretty. It's weird because we, JD has his uh, salary converted to Luna, so <laughs> it's it's not good. Well, it's gonna be a lot better for Flo here really soon. Oh, yeah. start paying uh, me now though. <laughs> just <laughs> just a matter of time. Yeah, actually, when I was paid in Bitcoin from one, one podcast, I would always cheer for it to go down. Like I got paid on I think the fifth of the month or whatever it was. So it was like dip, 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 you know, and then you get like more when it came through. It was awesome. Good times. <laughs> they were good times. I... Yeah, everyone's trying to party on me because Bitcoin sucks. They just don't realize I bought a whole bunch at like three to five thousand dollars, and I, you know, I, I watched it go to twenty. I stayed for two years for three to five thousand dollars. I am a hardened investor, and it, it's not fun. I'm not gonna act like I'm having a good time here, but <laughs> it is okay. It's totally okay, people. This is why I bought so many when it was five dollars. Yeah, like uh, I wish. Wouldn't that be awesome? It looks like it's about at the price when it started going up. Oh, here we go. Uh, oh, Bitcoin? No, it was. It started, I mean, because in the in the run from 2020, obviously after Corona, it dropped to five. Am I blind? And yeah. then we were between, you know, somewhere under 12 to 14, and then after in like November, it made a run up to a very high number. All right. Hey, so we did not um, give you kind of a rundown of the show. Um, I did this. I'm sorry. I I brought the crypto talk into it. Um, my bad. What? We um, love crypto. We we'll get into crypto. the we'll get into the show show. So we're gonna finish up talking seeds. We're gonna talk a little bit about um, the the ways we didn't get to talk to you yesterday. A couple questions, voicemails, and then at nine, top of the hour, Helen Marulis coming on to talk about a lot of things, but in particular uh, a film project she's a part of that looks really really freaking good. Um, 
Speaking of film projects, JB6 coming out very soon. Should be on the, the site. Flow, is it a flow film? It's a flow film. Hey. And you know what? You don't want to know the worst part of the film? I don't know. What is it? Because it freaking starts with the Jordan Dake FRL, which was like <laughs> one of the worst. Legendary. Only making Ben happier. <laughs> no, I was bad. Legendary. What do you mean bad? bad? That was Man, the greatest then, radio we've ever had. And we've then, had 793 episodes. It was the best one. <laughs> no. You can't correlate most viewed with, with best. Um, oh, we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. So the, the film starts about that, and it talks about it talks about the Dake blind side and just how crappy that was. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I'm like, crap. I don't want that. I'm so still feel really bad that you did that, Ben. That was bad. You shouldn't do that. It was fair. Listen, uh, um, and I, I told we, me and Jordan talked this one out, but I don't know if you remember before the show. We were all on before the show. He was so pissed that I picked Kyle Dake two to one with six seconds of ride time or something, you know? It was, I, I think people were just stuck in their house. It was coronavirus. Yeah, we it were was all unre- stuck. It was angry. unreasonable. Everyone was angry because they didn't get to, the, yeah, the trials, everything, their entire lives everything. got postponed. So they're like, you know yeah. what, let's just yell at each other. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you and you and uh, Jordan squashed it live on air. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's coming out. We got a lot of, man, what a week. Got we're JB probably six. somewhat close to the, or was that April when that happened? I was going to say that. The two-year anniversary. Yeah, when it was, was April. That? It was definitely April sometime. It was April. Yeah, it was right around the time uh, April sixteenth, twenty twenty. So about thirteen months. Wow. Or Tw- yeah, not 20, plus plus twelve. Twenty-five. <laughs> it's obviously thirteen months. Plus there 12. you go. That's how we. <laughs> that's how we talk months here. All right. So, great start. We'll, we'll get. We'll I'm gonna see up. how many views that show has. How would I search that? Bracky, where's Bracky at when we need him? <laughs> call Bracky. Bracky. As we, we established, he's not gonna call you. No chance. He's not gonna call me. How rude. Okay, so the the number one seed at 92 kilos, Cam Caffey. Number two, Nate Jackson. Now, Nate had a crazy story. Have you been able to listen to the interview yet? With I did not. I have not. So apparently, he got. He tested positive at Pan Oh, that Amps. story. Yeah. What other story would that oh, be? Oh, for coronavirus. I thought about the fact that he had to wrestle last chance and Well, so not he did not test he tested positive for steroids. Wait. But it was a total like mess up on the tester's part and it, so he's been working through it. He was like literally so getting he was gonna potentially retire, Nate Jackson. But then he got cleared, he was able to wrestle, he won last chance, but it was a total like not a not a positive test, um, as it turns out. So he's back in the mix. Well, we'll we'll plug the interview after the show. JD can put it in the show notes so you can listen and get the get the full story from him. Uh, but yeah, crazy crazy story with Nate. And glad everything worked out and that he was able to wrestle. And now he's, you know, he looks to me like, what percentage chance would you give Nate to make Final X out of this field? Then really high, really high. Let's put a number. Because that would be uh, sixty-five percent. Sixty-five. Okay. I was gonna say even higher. I was gonna. I was gonna say like, if they wrestle this 65 tournament, sixty-five is pretty good. I think. If they wrestle this tournament a hundred times, I think he probably wins it eighty. That's about okay. What I was gonna say. Um, okay. That'd be that'd be my thought. Now, obviously, 
Cam Caffey, J.I.L.O. Are, are good, but these are, you know, kind of college guys that are not yeah, super seasoned no, on the senior good. level. Jay is a U23 medalist, which is notable. They, they have man, a small chance. Small, They have a chance. Um, But the fact that – and also the fact that it's two out of three makes it more likely to me. Like it's, it's just really hard for me to think of him making the finals – the finals is two out of three when they got to make it when the winner goes to final X. Yes. Really? So, so the, the semi winners are not two out of three. Correct. But so if someone were to make the finals in, in a weight that already has one final X participant, they would have to win a two out of three. And then if they were to make a team, they have to win another two out of three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I didn't realize that. I thought it was only, you know, I thought obviously it was only in the weights where there wasn't a final X participant. Right. Wow, wild. Toughy. So yeah, very yeah. so that's that's a challenge. But for Nate, I, I just see him as is a really big favorite there. He looked like he was wrestling really well at um at, at last chance, although not a not an elite field, but this is not uh a typical ninety two field. And when I look at this ninety two, I'm like, why would Colin or Mike Mock not try their luck down there? Because I think Yeah, I agree. Why not? It's especially for Colin when you, you kind of know where you where you. I mean, it's Kyle Snyder's weight, right? And you could say, all right, well, ninety two is Jaden Cox's weight, but at least anecdotally, you've wrestled with Jaden before, albeit it was like his you know freshman year. But he's wrestled Jaden tough, and he's trained with Jaden. And you yeah. would have to mm-hmm. figure if you had to pick one, you would probably have a better shot against uh, Jaden. That's my opinion, just from a stylistic standpoint. Uh, yeah. But Colin's well, I mean, but up. then also, I mean, to that point, Christian, making final X is an accomplishment. And when you yes. look at like, you know, any of these ninety sevens, what's the, what are their chances at uh, ninety seven versus ninety two? Well, I guess it's not that much better. It's, well, it's probably slightly better. I would, di- I mean, you know, I would disagree. I think if Mike or Colin goes down to ninety two, there's a there's a far greater likelihood of them making final X than if they stay up at ninety seven. Because I say at best. I view Mike Mock versus Colin as like a, pretty much a 50-50 proposition. And historic, do you think they're, they're both favorites over Nate Jackson? I do. Yeah, well, probably. I feel probably. I feel pretty sure that Colin is a decided favorite over Nate. And I view mm-hmm. Colin and Mike Mock as basic peers, very similar. I view yeah. them similarly. So, yeah, I, I think I kind of do. Um, mm. You know, 92 – reasonably is, is is a weight you would expect them to be able to make but they're not yeah. and so that's that's a, a benefit to i think Jaden and a benefit to, to nate jackson i think in this case and yeah. so 97 as i kind of already skipped ahead there but mike mock colin moore the top two c's there tj dudley sam mitchell the four c ethan layered the five so it is kind of wild how um non-deep these fields are compared Not. to what they have what they have been the last few years and then also obviously how tough like 197 is ridiculous in college right now and these fields are not very good comparatively yeah yeah are the are the elums trying to make any world teams it doesn't appear so i don't i don't think either one's a junior anymore so oh. um it would be i don't know if it'd be u23 uh i don't right. know i'll ask if I don't think a lot of them are going to U23s, but I'm not sure on that one. So, yeah, the heat at 97 looks like a, a 
a potential Colin Moore, Mike Mock, two out of three, which would be exciting. Those two had a, a great match at the RTC Cup where Moore was up late and gave up a two takedown and two on a lace to lose the match either by criteria or um, or by two points. I can't recall the final score, but it was like literal buzzer, buzzer beater leg lace. Mike Mock down Colin Moore there. And I'm not sure if they met since then, but I remember that match vividly. It was really exciting. And then... A little uh, side sidebar from earlier in the show. Uh-oh. I, did, I did the work. Is Luna back up? <laughs> it ain't, Luna ain't ever coming back. A lot of smart people predicted that it was going down and never coming back. But not what I was going to talk about. Episode 484, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Dake. Between YouTube and I said I don't I don't have the numbers for flow, but between YouTube and Facebook, it's over four hundred thousand views. <laughs> it's a lot for FRL. It's funny. That's just the main video too, probably because I think we clipped it up. Oh, yeah, we just, yeah, you clipped we just, it up too. We clipped That's it up. The main video. Yeah, um, it's funny. Still, people still reference that. That I was just I was at the practice the other day, and someone was talking about Kyle Dake, and someone kind of like offhanded goes like. He's getting younger every day, bro. Like, not even to me. And uh, I was like, that's funny that that's still getting brought up. Yeah. Every day. Anyways, every day. That's a good goal. 125, Zilmer the one. Gwiz the two. Slim Tone in at the three seed. And uh, Dom Bradley the four. Ty the five. Kyvin Gadsden. Big Kyvin at six. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Couple other this weight really class actually, is kind of fun. Actually, this is a deep weight. Yeah, because you deep go Gadsden, Demetrius Thomas, but then Lucas Davis and Jordan Wood back to back. Yeah. So that'll be a that'll be a, a early match, round of sixteen match between those two, and then Christian yep. Lance, All American, Derek White, NCAA finalist, and the Sauce Daddy, Saron Francisco, round out the twelve. He left Wait, his why shoes. Is on. Why? Why is he the Sauce Daddy? That's what they call him at Flow. I don't know if that's his actual nickname or just something that they call him. <laughs> that's Andrew Spay calls him. But to That's me, funny. he is the sauce daddy. But also, he is the shoeless sauce daddy because he what? retired at the last chance, I think, Olympic qualifier in 2021. But he's back. He unretired. He got another pair of what? shoes. He took the shoes off. JD? Sometimes you got to put the shoes back on. Dude, I take my shoes cool. off every you day. Take shoes, you take the shoes off on the mat. I never took the shoes off on the mat because I was never sure if I wasn't coming back. And I didn't want to pull those shenanigans where I took the shoes off and then I had to put them back on. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, t- 125 is really fun. And I think that the question here is, should should Cassiope navigate this to Gwiz? Um, which is definitely a question because he's going to have to beat Probably Gadsden and then probably someone before that potentially. That's that's Gadsden, good. man. Gadsden's been wrestling for a long time, huh? Well, you. I feel like he graduated 2013, 14, oh, 15. 15. Okay, I was off that's when he beat years. Kyle. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Duh. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess he still got some good miles in him. Then uh, I could see him beating. He ain't no Tom Bradley. Sure. Tom Bradley been yeah. in these streets. Tom Bradley. Well, I we he were was college 13. teammates. I mean, Tom. Oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. We weren't. I guess I just coached him then at college. I think he was the. I think he was the one. He was definitely ranked number one during different points of year. One heavyweight was really. Dom good was twice. Dom was a couple times. Yes. Yeah. That oh, was wow. Galagayev and him and 
McMullen, all those that whole that yeah. Whole Damn, that was a big deal then. That uh, huge. Yeah, that for for Dom that um, uh, Gable didn't come back because I mean Dom has he ever made the team? I know he won a U.S. Open, but has he ever made the team? No, never made a team. He's a he never made champ. the team, right? Mm-hmm. No, won, never. Yeah, he beat Travell at, at the Open. Yeah. So when you look at this, I mean. Uh, yeah, get Gwiz or whomever comes out of this is going to have to wrestle probably four, four, maybe five matches on the day and then turn around and wrestle Dom in, what, two weeks? Um, two weeks Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this is not a, a sit. There's no one sitting out in Final X for this one. So, yeah, it could be interesting. Um, you know, t- I can't. I, I would love to see Dom make it through there. Just like him a yeah. lot. Lo- love Ty Wall. Zilmer's fun mm-hmm. guy to watch, but to see Dom get a shot to make a team would be would be a really cool storyline. Um, Absolutely. But that guy, he just competes all the time. I think he just he must just love wrestling. Loves it. That's awesome. Okay, so that's uh that yeah. rounds up. I, I almost got out of retirement last night, Christian, because someone posted a UFC graphic of uh the eight male champs right now. I, I'm actually kind of shocked by this. Today. Eight male champs. The youngest one is 32. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, I, I mean, I was like shocked when I saw it. There was like, there it was like a couple 32s, a couple 33s. I think Usman's 35, and the heavyweight's 35, and then Glover's 42. What? Crazy, right? That's nuts. I mean, I knew yeah. Marty. You know, Marty really, or uh, he's showing like no signs of like. Slowing yeah. down. Lopes, 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 lopes. Lopes. Um, uh, yeah, so it's like, wow, they're old. And then, I mean, honestly, we never saw this in wrestling ever. But this current crop, that, and we've talked about this a couple of times, but I don't, never really, maybe in relation to age, like this current crop is is aging now where I don't think David's getting old, but he's, how old is David? He's getting 30? David Kyle's getting close to 30. What are you talking about? David Taylor? Yeah. Yeah, he's over thirty, and so. Jordan's easily over thirty. Um, I wonder if this is like one of the oldest. You know, once we get the team, obviously, it'll likely be one of the oldest teams we've ever had combined age. Mainly because it's the same team just a year later. You know, well, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because they were old last year, and they're they're all likely going to make the team again. Yeah, David's thirty-one. Um, yeah, him and Kyle Dake are about the same age. Jordan. Jordan's obviously now, older. Now you always, all could, you always act like Kyle's way older than he is. I think he's like 26. Kyle Snyder, yeah. I was just going to say, everybody Kyle thinks Snyder's Kyle Snyder's older, but just because he's been making teams. He is 26. Whoever makes heavyweight is obviously going to likely be older. Almost. Yes. I mean, Cass, you'll be the only Unless younger one there. Dude, if Cass makes a team out, that would be a, that'd be pretty surprising to me. Yeah. Just, just the guy, the guys he would have to know. I you know have, he beat Don Bradley last time they wrestled. Yeah, right? Don Bradley's the least of his worries. He's got to get by Gwiz. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I mean, just saying you're talking I'm, about like Don making a team, and then it's like, I oh, mean, but if Cassiope makes the team, the oh. no, I mean he's not, he's not going to make the team. Um, <laughs> that's the main thing. Two, um, D- Dom. I was just speaking from a more sentimental perspective. He's got to beat Ty and then Hayden Zilmer, who I think he just lost to. Yeah. So. Dang. Even Gilman's going to be 28 at the time of Final X. Man. How old? I'm, looking, I'm trying to find out how old Dom Bradley is. Dom's got to be 34, 33. 
That's not old. Uh, I mean, I think if you go 10 years ago and you look at like the ages, I think you would uh, see that this team is way older. Yeah. Umbrella's no. born 89, so he would be 33. 33. Shoot. I'm turning 37 this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old man Christian. Old man me. Did more college guys used to compete in these things? No, mm. but what I was saying was that guys didn't stick around for very long. Maybe like uh, one yeah. cycle and then, then they were done because there was no money in it. And they always went on to coach or do whatever. Right, right now. So, no, I don't I don't know. I don't know where they at. All right. Um, let's get to let's get to some questions. We had some voicemails. Yeah, there's some good ones in here. Ben loves the voicemails. So he let's voicemails. Uh, let's start with Chris from Montana. Shout out Montana. Gentlemen, this is Chris from Montana. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago you guys were talking about the greatest college wrestlers of all time and you guys brought up a couple hypotheticals of what if. So I have a couple what ifs for you. What if A Zane Rutherford beat Stever his freshman year and went on to win a national title and then continues his success after that. Or what if he redshirted his freshman year and then won the next year, both ways winning four times. Do you think he'd be the greatest college wrestler of all time if either both of those happened or one of those happened or whatnot? Thank you, gentlemen. Bye. It's a good question. It's it's uh, Zane's, you know, what if – scenarios yeah. are are really curious um i would say if he beats steber even with a loss that year but he wins ncaa's and then he does what he does his next three years i i you might you might you might have to crown there's him. definitely a possibility yeah as the best yeah you can't be the best with a loss um if you beat a goat Along the way, that that is a you can make not a, a goat because nope. he would still be below the goat who had yeah. zero losses on his record and was <laughs> and very dominant. Remember, true, we went back true, and looked at how dominant true, Kale was. True freshman, we all forget. Okay, then Paul Jen. Like Paul Jen was richer year though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, no, but no one counts Kale's richer year. Yeah, exactly. I would say so I, why I think can't, the better why can't he be... lose to someone in the regular season and beat him at NCAAs and be like, all right, that's fine. I think people just told. I think to Jay's point, people hold it against him that it's not. It's not undefeated. And um, although it was uber dominant, Kale was uber dominant also. So you can't really compare those. Um, Kale did beat really good people because like Egan went on to win a world silver. Huh. Cormier went on to be a, a how many time Trench. world. Trench is maybe the best to never win. You know, Trench was like in the three, three, two, three, or something. You know, something to that effect. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think it would still be Kale. I think. I mean, I think Steber or Steber Zane is probably a top. I don't think, have we ever made our list on college careers? I think Zane's probably a top fifteen. I would say. For I sure. think we did, and I think he was in the top ten. Yeah, I think he would be. Yeah, he's um, really elite. So don't forget, he lost to uh, Mitchell Port. He did. He got ported. That was, he didn't just lose to Steber. Right. Right. Although he did beat Steber his freshman year. That yes. brings him down, though. I mean, that, that's one of the things that's so impressive about Kyle Dake. It's something that like. We don't really discuss is the difference between a redshirt and a non-redshirt because, like, yeah, if to, to the point, if Kale didn't redshirt and we're counting Paul Jen loss against him, would he have won NCAs that year? I don't know, maybe, maybe not, right? Might have. 
Um, and then we wouldn't be talking the same. We, we would have a totally different thought process around kale, which isn't fair at all. Yeah. Um, so like that year matters so much, but I think oftentimes because it's just so much easier to compare stats, we neglect that year and what it means. But it's also like, well, maybe Zane's because then he redshirted. Maybe he would have been very similar to his true freshman year that year. It's it's just Possible. a big what if yeah. you can't like. That's what I'm saying. What you if you can't say it's, it's what, a what if too long consider. So I think the more interesting question is what happens if if Zane redshirts his his freshman year and then what does he what does he become? Because obviously I think he's much much better his yeah. second year. Yeah, and then that year if he goes 49 out the gate, then that's uh, 2015 149. It's, it was not a great. It's like it. Drake Drake Howdeshell, Dave Habit. That was the NCAA uh, final. That year. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's the crazy thing. But they had to have him that year. In 2013, yeah. 14, because they wouldn't they wouldn't have won NCAs without him. It was that yes. it was that tight. What's I'd be curious. Um, so he won his first NCAA title. KL did in '99. So I wonder who the 1998, 184 NCAA champion was. Do you remember? Ben? I'll look it up. No, I'm gonna look it up. It's it's funny because we. Uh, Versus Jones Pro- might have been in the finals, I think. Let's see. It was oh, 77. 77 Mitch Clark, yeah, Mitch Clark, Tech Paul versus Jones. Well, that was 177, it says here. That's probably where he would have been, I'm guessing. I don't think Kale would have been, been 190. 190, probably Tim Hartung beat Jason Robeson. It's interesting. Oh. So the weights changed his first first year. Yeah. Chael Sonnen, eighth place. Congrats, Uncle Chael. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, those? I mean, 190 was a tough weight class because I remember the top four there: Hartung, Robeson, Fullheart, uh, Tobin. Tobin. We're all good. Um, 177. Obviously, you got Aaron Simpson in fourth Eggum. and Egham in fifth. I don't know anything about John Withrow. Um, and then Virtus Jones is who he would beat in. Well, he beat Egham in an NCAA final. He beat Virtus Jones in an NCAA final, but I don't remember which was which. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Was it Kale's bonus stats? We looked, we looked up again, and they were just, just stupid from start to finish. Yes. What? Kind of feels like he probably would, probably would have won that year, but I don't know. I don't know enough about those weight classes to to really definitively say. But yeah, the Zane what if is interesting because he red shirts in thirteen, fourteen. He's a favorite to win fifteen, and then we saw what happened sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. But so good question there. Uh, next question, long time, first time. Let's let's hit that. That's that first time. Yeah, I'm a first time caller, long time listener. Uh, question is, what's your thoughts on the uh, Minnesota in the next few years with uh, guys like Spratley, Jamison, Chittam coming in? Um, I was listening earlier and talking about the Jamison kid being. Big for his weight, I, he's going to be a 141 pounder, and I think Chittam's going to go probably 149. Um, and Spratley obviously probably a 125 pounder. Um, also, I'll give a shout out to the the coaches of Spratley and Jamison, uh, John Hardy, uh, Texas Pride Wrestling. So, anyways, just want to know what you guys' thoughts are. Thanks. Bye. First off, shout right. out, shout out to the Lone Star State, Texas. Lone Star State. Um, Man, I really like Spratley. He was certainly eye-opening uh, the Open. Yeah. Jameson's good, too. Those are, both those Texas guys are good. 
but then you also have uh, they were really high on. I'm trying to find the kid's name right now. Gavin well, Nelson. No, no, no. Uh, a kid who's on their team already. Oh, Aaron Nagao. They're really high on him. Also, they think he's really tough. Nice. Uh, um, and then they have Patrick McKee on their team still. So they have to figure out how to fit all those guys in the right spots down there. Well, McKee's this will this upcoming will be his last year, right? No, he has two left if he wants. No it. way. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. McKee. Yeah. Wow. He's competed yeah. four years. I'll One be of those doesn't when, count. I'll be glad to enter the time when I know how many years. <laughs> Seriously, guys right? It's just like every. Uh, so funny. Um, but besides that, I mean, they. I guess they have a lot of. I don't say promise. Um, but unless Gable comes back, they don't have a lot of for sure points uh, at all. I mean, like, and Andrew Sparks showed some promise. Salazar has done some good things, but Bailey uh, O'Reilly good. Lee, but can you say I know these guys are going to be top five guys, and like I don't think you can say yes to any. Not even McKee can say yes to. <laughs> True. You can only say it if he loses early, and then you know <laughs> he will get third. I think, I think when he wins first round next year, the coach will be like, no, no, Why they need to do that. They need to trick him. They need to hypnotize him. Hypnotize. I'm telling you, hypnotize Patrick McKee. Have him convinced he's already lost. You're in the wrestlebacks. You're trying to get third. And, and he'll win. And then he'll win. How does win. how does Minnesota not have a hypnotist on staff yet? I don't know. Yeah, so they got some they got some tough dudes, but um, you know, the way NCAA points are scored, we've talked about this. You gotta be a guy who's getting in the top five, otherwise you're not gonna have that huge of an impact. And do you believe in hypnosis? I've never been hypnotized, um, so I'm gonna say no until I actually like feel it. I think there's definitely a possibility, but I, I've never felt it. You can it, definitely so. be hypnotized, but you also have to like, if you don't believe like in hypnotization, like it, I believe it's much harder, if not impossible, to hypnotize you. Hmm. I may not be hypnotizable then. Well, like, I bet like if you like went to a good hypnotist, they could hypnotize you. You gotta get a good one. Yeah, you can't just go to your run-of-the-mill hypnotist. No, and there's so many of those when they do like the big performances where it feels like a scam to me. It feels like these these mfers are performing up there. They're, they're not really hypnotized. It's bullcrap. Yeah, you definitely got to get people that are like, I can be hypnotized. Hypnotize me. Yeah, like if you went up there, it wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. Me. Yeah, because you'd be I like, this is dumb. I would go up there with an open mind saying, <laughs> if this is real, hypnotize me then. I am ready to be hypnotized. We'll see what happens. I love it. But, uh, Ooh, what, what if? Okay. What if? I don't, I don't know if, if this is even legal, but what if we switched your deal from getting tased to you getting hypnotized? If you want, uh, this is uh, you have the receipts for me being tased. So if you want to switch it out, it's just make ahead. a new bet. Both could happen. No, I well, okay. I will <laughs> trade you. I will trade you because I would actually like to see if it works too. You guys would have to, uh, you know, you'd have to find someone really good at it. A board then, certified you know, hypnotist. Board certified hypnotist. Yeah. Yeah, because I I, I know I know a lot of people. It, it wouldn't be that funny to me to see Ben tased. Maybe I would laugh, but like. It'd be way funnier to see him be hypnotized and maybe have to like walk walk like a chicken or something. Or let, I, uh, let Chris, you, you'd probably say, "Let Christian Piles pin you." <laughs> There's no let about it, Ben. If I get the if I get the uh, chin and arm, it's over. 
It's over. I saw Bo Nickel at the US Open. I said, Bo, if I let you have a chin arm, you think you can pin me? He said, damn straight I can. I said, I don't let we could do this on the sidewalk. <laughs> we how, did that sidewalk come, how does that come up organically? Point. I walked up to him. I said, Bo Nickel. I said at age 19, no one was going to chin arm because it Coach Horton pinned me. I said, this is bullshit. No one's going to ever do that to me again. And no one's ever done it to me again. And I said, he came up on FRL. He said, if anyone could pin me in a chin arm, I think it'd probably be you. Do you think you could do it? And first he said, well, what's that? I said, well, come on, you know, man. You get the chin, you go under the arm. He said, yeah, I could. I said, let's go. Let's go. We ain't got to wait. Because I said, 19, no one's going to do it again. Age we, we, had a good, we had a good time and uh and you know he walked up in the sunset man actually it was the morning so it was a su- sunrise i think <laughs> him, him and jason Knoll were going to have some delicious breakfast somewhere i bet probably so i, I would like to get shane's thoughts on hypnosis oh he, he <laughs> oh, ble- god. <laughs> oh god i can see shane oh. i would love yeah I feel like Shane would have a wild. strong opinion about about hip, yeah. hypnosis. I feel like it he'd be, be in on opinion. it, but I could also see him have a strong take against it. He could. He might think it's part of the occult. Too. Yeah, which maybe I should think <laughs> that too. I don't know. I I don't know where the uh, where, where the church lands on hip, hypnotizing. Hey, did you guys know in the year 1998, the Ohio Bobcats were a top ten NCAA wrestling team? What, is that the year? Uh, what's his name? Per, per, White Percival? Gardner won it from Ohio. Okay. No, personal like 2005. But listen to this top. Yeah, so you had like... you had a kind of a normal top four: Iowa, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, Penn State. But Central Michigan was fifth. Shout out to them. West Virginia was seventh. Oregon State was tied for ninth with Ohio University. Wow. Yeah, impressive. That is impressive. That was a big year for brackies everywhere. Yeah, because you have West Virginia and Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's nineteen ninety-eight. No, he wasn't born then. He's older than that. Uh, bringing it all the way back to the question that started this. Uh, oh yeah. The, the what Gophers, are we even doing? <laughs> the Gophers uh, should maybe be a little worried about Chidum. He's still out there taking visits. What? I heard, I heard about that. Are yeah. you gramming him or what? He he was uh, on on the gram in uh, Columbus last weekend. Mm. Uh, so go to Ohio State. They could use a good recruit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a little bit. You know that what? They are one of the only. Uh, they would be. Uh, well, Minnesota actually would kind of be one of the others, but there's not a lot of college programs who actually have like guys doing Greco wrestling. Um, but they got the uh, the Wisconsin connection. They got um, oh my gosh, what's their name? Coots. The Coots brothers and uh, the red Cheryl. Fritz and then Orndorf. obviously Buzakis loves Greco, and I think they have someone else too that loves Greco. Orndorf. Orndorf loves Greco. Jay Jaggers. <laughs> I don't know that he's ever done Greco. Has he? I don't. Think I don't so. think so. We're the same same era in high school. I don't remember. I mean, really, if, if you look at high school Greco. It's only really a couple states. It's generally like Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota. Really care about Greco. You'll get a few California dudes in like a Utah or Idaho. I don't. I think Joseph Smith. Some said. Some said we're in the uh, Golden Tablets. Like you can only wrestle with the upper body. Wow, I missed that one. Yeah. So um, it would be. 
So does he probably fit in as a 49 there if he goes to Ohio State, Ohio State after Sasso? Where else could he go? Because you got uh, got, got Buzakis and uh, – well, now I was thinking Buzakis. Well, you got Patty too, but you got Buzakis and um, – Mendez at uh, 33 Mendez. Yeah, they make they need to kill. They need to kill his Greco dream and just let him focus on, on folk style and freestyle. Living those Greco dreams. I would have liked to have been in the first ever Greco-Roman like rules meeting when they were just like. <laughs> Do you think there was I, a rules meeting? <laughs> I have an what? idea. That's so funny. Well, <laughs> however, this was created. Yeah. You know, Joseph Smith on the golden tablets. <laughs> you shall not touch the legs. Yeah. yeah. How did that come out? That's a good point, JD. I have no idea. There's like, well, I, know I have an idea. Let's wrestle, from. but just from the just waist up, up. Well, they have, I mean, we talk about this. They have national styles in other places. Like they got the Turkish oil wrestling. They got the Mongolian diaper wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but why would they and- think it would be better? I, folk style came so folk style came from catch wrestling, which mm-hmm. was pins or submissions, and then one path diverged to professional wrestling, one path diverged to collegiate, where you can score points. I actually I have no idea how Greco wrestling started. What? I'm gonna Google it right now. One see path, what it says. One path eliminated it as a sport entirely, and, it, <laughs> and the other path. Was, that's true. It's true. It's not a sport. <laughs> um, oh, so that's that's wow. quite a divergence in the in that wood. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, you're funny. Greco wrestling the- originated early in the 19th century um, in imitation of classical Greek and Roman representations of the sport. Okay. Creator. The creator was John G- uh, X. Briot. Hmm. Not familiar. Flat hand wrestling, they might. Some may call it flat hand wrestling. <laughs> we should start that movement. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, let's get to some other questions. Um, oh, yeah, there were some good ones here. We got to go five which minutes. Which one do you like the I... most? You ask Okay, it. well, I, I like this actual cannibal who usually asks a really good question. It's talking about the jump in weights in, in freestyle schoolboy wrestling, 14U. The 13-pound jump is fine. Uh, those weight, The upper weights in 14U is weak, dude. It, there's not a lot of great people there. Um, just just the bell curve of, of athletes, the 13-pound jump there is is very – it should be. That's how it should be. That, that's good. Stop it's whining. just weird to go 25, 30, 36, yeah, that, 49. 25, 30, 36 are actually too close in my opinion. I, I don't know why they're they're that close. Um, I would spread those out a little bit. I can tell you uh, that that's fine. We have well, that. We have you, a lot of kids that age. It should be spread out. And I think you kind of agree with them then because like 13 pounds is too big. So if it was like 140 to 149, I don't think we would say anything. No, honestly, I would just take. I would, I would really probably just take out one of those other ones. Um, oh, okay. and when when you think about when you think about say seventy seven to eighty three, it seems like oh that's close, but six pounds there for a seventy seven pounder is like probably eight what eight percent of the mm-hmm. body weight, and this is like ten. You know, one thirty six is thirteen pounds away, which is less than thirteen point six. So you know, it's like nine and a half. We're not talking about a big difference, right? These are similar jumps. Okay, I you got to ask you got to answer Avery Lynch's question about Ozzy on the Gator. Yeah, that was uh, that was funny, Ozzy. Uh, I came <laughs> in the house. I was doing some things outside, chainsawing and moving sprinklers, and working on this golf course. And uh, I said, "Hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat some lunch, and then we gotta go do some other things." And I, I don't know because usually he doesn't really help me all that much anymore. Um, compared to when he was two, he just wanted to be out there all the time. Um, 
and I'm not going to force a four-year-old to work. So when he's a couple years older, I'll probably start making him do some things. But uh, he goes, no, daddy, big boys work before they eat lunch. Let's go. And so I'm like, all right, I guess big boys work before they eat lunch. So we went out and <laughs> did some more sprinkler moving and chainsawing, and then we came back and ate lunch. Uh, I, Ozzy, it, he sounds like he grew up on a construction site. How does this happen? He's just, he just wants to fight, and he's talking about – All know. he wants to do is battle. So literally, literally if, uh, like on Sunday, uh, my girls have wrestling. That So six and seven-year-olds are at three, and then eight and nine-year-olds are at four. And then we have a high school on the other side. Um, and like the, I can't remember, one of the groups went to practice. And so whoever he was playing with went to practice. And he was, stomps over to the high school and goes, Dad, I, I'm bored. I have no one to battle with. So then I got to be like, I got to go find one of the other little kids that got done with practice. Be like, hey, Ozzy, that guy wants to battle. Go battle him, and then they fight for like an hour. Everyone's nice. <laughs> a legend. Hey, um, before before we have Helen on, we've got the trail trailer here for yeah. uh, the film. So let's watch that, and then we'll and we'll welcome Helen. USA gets their first gold medal. Just the way she did it. It's so underrated. And then she suffered an injury. The doctor said, "Forget about wrestling." But I'm not done yet. I know she's the best. She just needs to believe. It's got to be one of the biggest comebacks in the history of sports.
All right, we are back, and we are back with Helen Maroulis, three-time world champ, Olympic bronze medalist, and Olympic champion. Helen, good morning. It's an early morning for you. I know you're in the Pacific time zone, so really appreciate you you hopping on. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? And thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. We are great. We're talking wrestling. It's World Team Trials Week. Final X is just around the corner. It's a it's a really fun time to, to be a wrestling fan. Um, I guess we, we've got a lot of stuff to... The, I want to talk with you about this film. We just saw the trailer about it. And I think it's a it's it's a great starting point. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about this project? Um, what it is, kind of how it came about? Yeah. So uh, basically, I think in 2018, um, my manager at the time, Andrea Courtney, introduced me to um, Dylan Mulek, and we just started talking about this project, and then um, got connected with Religion Sports and uh, Giselle Peretz and Tracy Aftergood. And this whole team just basically came together um, to kind of make this documentary. And I'm, I don't know, I, I just kind of, I, I just, I don't know, I was super excited. But then I also just, I don't know, I didn't think that maybe it was going to happen. Or I, I think I was trying to talk myself down. It's a bit nerve wracking. And then it ended up being this amazing, amazing project. And I'm so happy with everything that we we covered in this film. Yeah, so it, it it gets into the to I guess your your struggles and the mental health um, things that you had to deal with coming back after after your injury and all that. What made you so? And, and you've been pretty candid about it as well. But then this film is even I'm sure going to go levels deeper. Mm-hmm. How did you make the decision to be so candid about this? So I. And that's a great question because I'm I've been very like in some ways a little bit nervous for this to come out, but at the same time this is this is what I chose and this is what I wanted to share. Uh, and really, what it came about for me is that I remember um, kind of in the lowest of lows and just feeling like I completely just was broken, failed as a human being, had all these mental health issues. And I remember one of the sports medicine doctors telling me, you know, this is actually very common. A lot of athletes struggle with this. And I just remember telling her, why aren't we talking about this? Because I would have loved to hear that someone else went through this or, you know, that they came back or that they just even just had a happy life after. And I just didn't hear that. And so I felt very isolated and very alone. And I kind of just really felt like a screw up. And I think that when we share our mental health struggles, um, we realize that we all relate to each other a lot more than we realize. And especially in sport, everyone's got something, you know, we've all competed. You've had nerves or you've had down days so you're you're going to be able to relate to people when we share that so what was there someone that maybe made it click for you or uh or not and not and then you're just hoping to be that person for other people um i don't think there was there wasn't one person specifically but it's interesting because i've i've heard of some you know some people after like i know dale earnhardt jr uh, suffered from very severe concussions and I think he ended up retiring off of it. I think for me, I, and I think what was really hard with the mental health thing was trying to figure out what was just inherently um, like what I felt like was a weakness in my personality or my genetic makeup. And then what was just something that was a struggle that other people dealt with that um, we were all trying to overcome. And so that was a very interesting journey for me to take. And even with the title Believe, um, I really like that for, for the film because, you know, the, the whole journey is just me trying to figure out like uh, just how to how to believe in myself and how to believe that everything's going to be OK or how to believe that I'll get better. And so I think everyone struggles, you know, to kind of believe in, in something and to be able to overcome it. For for basically everyone else on Earth, can, can you help? 
us understand how you get to a point where you're you're a multiple world champion, you're an Olympic champion, how someone is accomplished and an incredible a competitor can struggle with with belief. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, once I moved to Arizona, Mark Perry kind of touched on that in the film a little bit. So um, I don't want to go into it too much, but kind of one of the things that he said was just, he was just so surprised that someone that has done so much could kind of really fall off the ladder so far in the sense of um, just lacking belief. But I, I think one of my like kind of mantras or one of the things that has helped me is just realizing that nobody's given everything in life. And that area where we feel like is our weakness or our lack is also an opportunity for us to overcome and experience like great blessing and breakthrough. So I always lacked confidence, um, even though I had uh, immense talent and I had the work ethic. And it's just been this really, you know, for me, my, my biggest journey has just been trying to instill that confidence and that belief in myself where other people, they just have it naturally. And maybe it's something else that they have to work on. So, um, but I just want to share that because I hear of so many young kids or young wrestlers that are always reaching out asking about, you know, I, I struggle with confidence or struggle with this or that. And I feel like what, what's the point of keeping it a secret? Wait, so um, not to be repetitive on that, on Christian's point, but so, you know, he said, how did you have the success you did without having mm -hmm. the confidence or the belief in self? And um, in your answer, you kind of said that you fell off the ladder. So um, I guess pr prior to everything happening did you have that belief in self or was it just something you didn't even really really consider you just went out and did your thing and you didn't consider yeah. it and then you fell off yeah so i actually i remember um always being super nervous before world championships because once you make the team all you hear all summer is everyone asking you are you ready to win worlds are you ready to win worlds are you gonna win and it just felt so um it just felt so uncomfortable for me because if I say no, obviously that sounds dumb. Who's going out there to lose? But if I said yes, I'm going to go win. I felt like that just I, I'm not that kind of like cocky personality or it just wasn't natural to me. And so then I just started saying, hey, my job is not to predict the future. My job is to create it. And that felt like it freed it up for me. And it took the pressure off for me having to kind of be like this character that I see in sport that always believes they're going to win and is super confident. And I actually think my confidence comes from not ever saying that I'm going to win something, but just always giving my best effort and pursuing excellence. And so pursuing excellence takes the pressure off of me needing to be confident all the time. But I will say that my faith played a huge part into the 2016 Olympics. I did this crazy like prayer journal fast and it was just the happiest I've ever been going into that Olympics. And, um, and man, win, lose or draw, it wasn't going to matter to me. But then after I won the Olympics, I lost all of my confidence again because I couldn't tell you why I won the Olympics. Like, I just, I didn't even, even when I went back, I'm like, well, what do, what, what what do you I, mean? Like, I just, everyone would ask, why did you win the Olympics or what was it? And I just remember, you know, my teammate, Elena Pershkova, we had the same training. We had the same coach. We shared a car together, a room, everything. But, you know, I, I got this medal and, you know, I, I thought she wrestled amazing. I thought she was going to do two. And so I was like, well, I can't figure out why, one person did over another person. So I just didn't know what it was that made me able to do it. And whatever it was, I'm like, well, I want to repeat this. I want to do it again. But it just kind of, I just remember losing my confidence after uh, the Olympics and literally having to kind of build it back up again um, for, for 2017. It was super weird. So I don't know. For, for you, how, how related and connected were your concussion issues with your, with uh, your struggles with mental health? Um, I think they were super connected, you know, and I've learned a lot and I'm no doctor, but I'm, I'm still learning. And 
you know, I've had it explained to me that basically concussions can exacerbate things that are already there, or they can uh, almost, what do you call it, um, uh, trigger things that were dormant. And so mm-hmm. I remember at one point um, after the second concussion, just having my neuropsychologist want me to get tested for like five different mental health conditions. And I just remember thinking, this is crazy. I'm 28 and I've lived all my life with, you know, without this. And all of a sudden I'm, I might have all these things. So that was just super uh, super, you know, I don't know, just really eye opening. But then at the same time, I'm, I'm also like, I'm still doing any type of rehab that I can or new stuff. And um, I'm doing some really cool brain testing right now. And it's been able to pinpoint things. And just from the retraining that I'm doing, I'm noticing like differences back at baseline. And so uh, that's been really cool. Awesome. Uh, the, the, the film Believe, can you give us a little more detail? When's it out? How, how can people watch if they want to? Yeah, so I I actually don't have any of that information right now, but um, the project came to light with the help of Religion of Sports and with Reserve Entertainment and uh, Chris Pratt's Indivisible Productions. And so um, they're actually taking it um, to market right now. So they have all the answers with all that. And I'm just kind of training for Final X. Perfect. (laughs) When they let me know, I will share it. (laughs) Side question. Have you met, have you got to talk to Chris Pratt or or work with him in any capacity yet? Yeah, so uh, they kept trying to put it together for us to meet in person, but obviously he's prioritizing his work and I was prioritizing mine, so the dates just didn't line up yet, but um, we have messaged on Instagram and he's watched the trials and the Olympics and he's been super supportive and you guys already know he was a big fan of wrestling, so um, it's just really cool to to have him in this sport. Yeah, absolutely. And you you mentioned Final X. You're sitting out to Final X because you're Mm-hmm. Uh, Olympic bronze medalist and world champion in Oslo, Norway, uh, at 57 mm-hmm. kilograms. But you'll have uh, the trials for whoever your opponent will be um, is going to be this weekend in Coralville, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And look, and looking at the field, um, most of these gals that, that you're going to be competing against still in college, young, a young new crop. How much do you know about this this field? Um, you know, I was at the U S open, I was there coaching and I, I watched the 57 finals, of course. So I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know too much about each of the girls, but Hey, like if you're, if you're in the finals of the U S open, you're making it to the finals of the trials, then, um, you know, you got my respect and I'm definitely going to take that seriously and, and prepare for you. So I'm really excited for them. And it's, it's cool to see this new generation now, now coming up on the scene. So you'll be at Final X New York. What What are your thoughts on on attempting to to make a world team at, at Final X, but also supporting the the Beat the Streets mission there? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's exciting. I love the Beat the Streets benefits that they do every year, and I love the Beat the Street just their initiative and what they stand for. It's a nonprofit organization um, helping inner city youth um, with through wrestling and and through other programs like college prep and and stuff like that. I'm actually on the board for Beat the Streets. DC and that's been a really eye-opening experience so uh, I, I just love the wrestling community I think that it's a brotherhood and sisterhood and it's it's cool to be able to not only make a world team but then be part of this benefit so I'm really thankful to the people that put that together yeah gonna be an amazing event um, a reminder if you want not a reminder you didn't know this uh, if you want to donate to beat the streets text final x to 44321 final x to 44321 so Please go ahead and donate. It is an amazing cause. It's great for wrestling, great for humanity in, in general, really. Um, I have some other questions, Helen. After after Norway, you you moved to to Greece, or you spent a, an extended period of time yeah. in Greece. 
And you got to train with, and I'm, I'm curious how this all came about, but you got to train with Olympic champion Mukaeda. She was the, I think the 53 kilogram uh, Olympic champion in, in, in Japan. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? And, and how was that experience? Yeah. So it was a cool story. I just remember uh, when we came back to training before the world championships, after the Olympics, uh, I was talking to all my teammates and they were all saying how they want to take a break after. And the second that they said they were going to take an extended break, I realized, oh man, I want to do this. And I've always wanted to go live in Greece. I've wanted to go, you know, be more involved with this um, uh, refugee center. And this is basically the perfect time to do it. But from my concussions and the age that I'm at, I don't want to take time off of wrestling. I, I don't think that's good for me, especially since I spent all this time just trying to get back to where I was and then progress. So I called Terry Steiner and I said, do you know of anybody that would want to come train in Greece with me? And I was just inviting all the Americans. And he said, oh, well, Mukaida actually wants to come to the U.S. and train. And then I said, well, this is crazy, but can you invite her to, to Greece and just let her know, even if it's for one week or two weeks, whatever, you know, I didn't. I was, I was like, maybe just whatever she wants. And then uh, he wrote back and he said, she said that she'll come for the whole time that you're there. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so she and her husband, um, who's her coach, they came over and it was so much fun. It was such a blast. So, and it's crazy. I thought I was going to have to ship mats from Athens over to Greece, but there's actually this little kids club and the coach there. Um, it was so nice. And then actually one of the Greek 53 kilogram Olympians came over and then one of our American teammates, Michaela came over. So it ended up being like a little mini camp. Wow. That's, that's great. Uh, what, what did you learn? If anything, you know, Japan is, is often a nemesis for, for team USA. They're, they're the, they're the standard right now. We're nipping at their heels and you, you've had a lot of success against Japan historically, but did you learn anything, uh, training alongside her of, some things they do differently or, or better or worse, or what, what did you take away from that experience? Yeah, it was great. I mean, so from a technical standpoint, uh, I, I learned off the feel. So just to be able to, to get a, you know, multiple feels, um, of her wrestling and her wrestling style was really beneficial for me. Their speed, uh, I think comes really from their body position, always being in place and always being set up. So it's more efficient, which also makes it seem faster and it is fast. And um, just their ability to come up off shots right away, I, I thought that was great. And so I was really kind of trying to emulate that and learn from that. And then just their mentality. I just really respect, uh, I, I really respect their mindset. You know, it's, they're kind of like, they're like me and that they're, they're always on. So, you know, I know she's not showing her best moves. I'm not showing my best moves. We're picking and choosing when we want to do that, see if something works. If it does, we're not really going to show it again. Like it, it's not about this ego battle of who's going to win every practice. It was more like we're trying to take the best things from this training so that we can bring it back and be ready for worlds and then Olympics. And so I really respect them in that. I thought it was great training. So you, you had said, you know, basically around the time of the Olympics and, and worlds, you were just feeling basically as good as ever just from from how you were performing and just the 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 love for the sport was was fully there um how how have you been able to maintain that from from that time world championships up till now yeah honestly i when i moved to arizona i think i had five weeks of training and that was still trying to heal uh, the torn mcl in my knee and just fix some other things um so i just yeah i i feel like i'm continually getting better. I don't think that my Olympics or Worlds was my best performance um, to date. And uh, it, it was good for the time frame that it was in. But man, I mean, we always want more time, right? So 
I'm, I'm just excited to have gotten more time to just continue honing my craft. I've been working on new moves, new styles. So I'm, I'm really excited. Nice. Hey, I, you said earlier, you didn't want, and I'm curious as to why mm-hmm. this is, cause I don't know anything about it, but you said you did not want to take time off because of concussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the relation there? Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever had, uh, or if you've had, let, let's say you have an injury, right. Or you get shoulder surgery or you get a concussion and, uh, boom, your training stops right there, wherever you are. So you're in good shape. Well, then you take time off and you're having to rehab your head or rehab whatever body part that it is. And when you come back, I feel like you think that all the other things will be in place there, but it's not. Everything kind of dips down a little bit. So now you're not just coming back trying to protect your head. Now your legs are going to get tired. You need to get that conditioning back up. You need to spend time building that base. And you know you don't want to do too much too soon or get injured again. And I just think that as you get older, that's just, it's harder on the body. Like a kid can take time off and like come back in there and jump in. Um, I actually think that for me, I think my brain, like when I came back to wrestling after I retired, I would get really bad anxiety attacks after every practice because my brain registered wrestling as like this threat to the system. And then now over time from just day in and day out, a little increments of training, my brain knows that this is what I do every day. So I wanted to kind of keep that. I didn't want to have to re train that back in because it's a little bit dangerous and it's also really hard on the body got it um so then uh, referencing earlier what we talked about about you know kind of believing in yourself which is how it's titled the movie um and your struggles if you had to talk to you know i don't know a group of young kids or coach a group of young kids mm-hmm. what is it that you would do to build that in or and or make that a non-issue for them yeah i think that um sport at the end of the day is this tool that I would want to teach each kid to utilize to help them learn about themselves. Cause there's not like this one size fits all. And yeah. I just think that sometimes we um, look at the struggles or the, the disadvantages that we think we have. And we just kind of really cement them as, as black and white when it's like, this is actually a tool to make you better. This is going to help make you stronger. Even if you lose this match, or even if you're scared of every opponent that you wrestle okay, just keep working on it because man, eventually it could click. Eventually you can overcome that. But I think you just have to have that belief inside yourself, even if it's small, just to keep building on it. And so basically just creating a safe space and and an encouraging space for them to do that. And just to know that I always believe in them and that I'll do whatever I can to help them succeed. On, on the competition side, um, you, you had the, the, the close semifinal loss to, to Kawhi. At, at the Olympics, mm-hmm. and then she did she did not go to the to the World Championships. Is that a match? Are you are you someone who thinks about like, um, you know, getting a match back or wrestling a, a, an opponent? Because um, I I remember you. I think it was an interview with Bader you actually did talking about the the Adekaroye match and just like the approach <laughs> she took with you and just like how you sort of took that like she like she was trying to injure and concuss you. Um, have you thought about those two matches, any? And like, is are you someone that that those losses can fuel you and you, you want to get them back. Yeah, it definitely fuels me. Uh, and on any kind of negative way, I just, it's like, I want to be the best in the world. And if there's someone that is, uh, better than me or that's beat me, like I'm going to work until I get there. Like, I like that. I like having that drive and that push. And, um, obviously losing the semifinals at the Olympics like that, just the way and the score and no one really scored points. It's, um, 
it, it, it was heartbreaking, but I really didn't want that to like taint my Olympic experience because I, I was coming back to wrestling to be happy again. Um, but now, you know, looking forward to 2021, I've definitely been uh, working on my game plan and working on new things. So I'm super fueled by it. I'm excited for it. Well, here, here's hoping they, they both are there in your field at 57. That would be exciting. Well, of course, you have to make the team. I do have to say that. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to put the, the cards <laughs> yeah. the horse, but no, uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm kind of there mentally. Yeah. I, yeah, I plan to be the best in the world, and then I work backwards from there. So, yes, tri- trials first, but also you can't just wait to win trials and then start working on foreign opponents. You know, I'm, I'm kind of always thinking about um, being number one. And if you're number one in the whole world, it's going to take care of being number one in the U.S. So might as well focus on that as well. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Um, well, this this has been great. I've really en- uh, enjoyed having you on, Helen. Um, anything else you want to talk about? J.D., do you have anything for, for Helen? No, that's great. That's great. I got uh, I got one more question. Yeah, I've never got to. I've crossed paths with most of this generation, and Helen and I have never crossed paths. We've never hung out or <laughs> nothing. Um, uh, I know you trained a lot of places, and uh, you know you talked earlier about picking up styles. Who would be the one wrestler that you feel like you've implemented most into your style? Uh, if there is one, and if there's not yeah. one, then that's fine. Also. Um, I wouldn't say that it's uh, one wrestler, but I love the American style, the Russian style of wrestling, and the Japanese style of wrestling. And I think that if you have those three, then any country in the world that you wrestle, um, whatever style they're wrestling you in. So if you're wrestling a Russian and you start wrestling them like with a Japanese-American mix, then that's effective. If you're wrestling a Japanese person, you wrestle them with a Russian-American mix, that's effective. If you're wrestling an American, you can wrestle them with a Russian-Japanese kind of mix, that's effective. So I actually kind of like mixing those three styles there. They're my favorite, and I think it covers like kind of the, all the bases in wrestling. So uh, let me get. So if you're saying so American, you'd say more more pressure. Uh, Japanese, yeah. you'd say quick, lots of reattacks, and Russian. <laughs> uh, I mean, how would you classify that? Like more technical, getting hands. Yeah, on. yeah. Russian, I would say is technical and hand fighting. Japanese, I would say is um, body position and speed. Um, and then American, I'd say like heart and pace and just grit. Okay. Awesome. Cool. That's all I got, guys. I now, mean, what's, I, I what's interesting? About yeah. Well, but. what's interesting about what, what you said, Helen, is like, well, the ability to to melt to use just fuse certain styles together for a certain opponent. Like, I don't think that's something that a lot of people can actually do. I think. That, do you think that's pretty unique to you? Because I would say it, it, there's probably a short list of people that can yeah. actually say that. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I was very lucky that I had you know. Um, a Japanese coach before and a Russian coach and obviously a lot of American coaches. Um, and then I just kind of started feeling it out. So if I'm wrestling someone and I want to go upper body hand fights, hand fighting with them, but I feel like they're kind of winning the position, then I'll just change it up and start doing like that Japanese, you know, kind of um, movement, you know, fake release and, and start moving that way. And I just found it to be effective. So yeah, nice. I don't know how other people train. And I guess that's, that's interesting following up for sure. from- from Ben's question, sure. just about all, all the places you train. Now you're you're at Arizona State with 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 Coach Perry and Sunkiss Kids. How has that been? And um, how? But Mark Perry is one of my favorite people to talk to in wrestling, yeah. just because he shoots yeah. you straight. And the, the dude, I love talking to him because that guy is just obsessed with wrestling, and he knows mm-hmm. so much. I, it's like there's not a lot of conversations where I feel like. I'm just like totally in over my head, even from like talking about wrestlers, and he just knows them all. Um, what's it like being, being coached by Mark? 
It's awesome. I mean, I, I love Mark. He, he's got that, that wrestling mind and, and he's really a genius. And that, that obsessiveness with wrestling is, it's just nice. Cause I mean, yeah, for, for this level, you really got to be kind of all in with it. And so um, I can just go to him about any opponent. He's got the game plan. He knows their style uh, or just any style of wrestling or any foreign wrestler. And he can kind of pick it apart and he'll study hours and hours of film. And so he loves it. He'll be in the room as much or as little as you need him, you know, 24 seven. So it's just great to kind of have a coach like that there with you. And, and one other thing you mentioned after, I think it was after Poland, you mentioned, okay, I heard you say this in a couple of interviews, I need to start wrestling, wrestling more with women. Um, mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on that? And like how training with guys was maybe detrimental to you or just not what you needed from, from that point? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm still working through this, like my little theory of this, but I think that training with women is just an absolute must because there's things that you'll get on women that you can't get on men. And there's things that you can get on men that you can't get on uh, women uh, as far as like moves and, and body styles. But I think that college men and this, I'm trying to think of like how many women I know that just train with college men. I don't think that's the move because college men at that point are like, they're just too strong. And so what happens is it starts taking away a lot of the moves that you could normally hit. And so I just, it's like on a college guy, I'm not going to get stuck shooting under. I'm not going to finish that position. And so I really kind of started doing less and less. Um, whereas with women or with high school guys, I feel like I can open up more. I can take different risks. Um, even if I get into a weird position, I can still scramble out of it. And uh, with college men, I, I just felt like it was changing my style and not really for the better. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it makes a lot of sense because the, the bodies move differently too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that college style of wrestling is just, it's just not translating for the women's freestyle. That makes yeah. sense. Makes tons of sense. Um, well, Helen, do you, do you have anything else before we let you go? No, that was it. I just, um, thanks for talking to me about all this and super excited for the movie to come out. I'm grateful for everyone that was a part of it. So next time you come on, you got to tell us when and where it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I'll send you guys a message when I know. Yeah, please. But do. I know we're wrestling next. So. <laughs> Heck yes, yeah, so we, we can watch you June 8th, Final X New York, Beat the Streets. It's going to be a, a fantastic event. And, and the thanks are all on our side, Helen. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, anytime we can get with you is, is, is outstanding and can't wait to, to watch you wrestle at Beat the Streets. So thanks for coming on so bright and early. Um, yeah. you, you wouldn't know it was 7 a.m. there. and uh, So have, have a good rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you. You guys right. too. And see you at Final X. Yep. See you there, <laughs> Helen. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The one and only Helen Maroulis. A lot of interesting stuff there, Ben. Um, Absolutely. I would have liked to dug a little deeper, but I didn't want to. Sometimes I feel bad if I bogart the show. Uh, but Bogart, you know, she trained a lot of, I, th I mean, I, well, I, I, she I feel like she trains a lot of places. And, and I, I, I liked her, her answer, kind of little paper, scissors, rock thing about the styles of wrestling. But then within the styles of wrestling, you have um, – I think you have people who personify those things. Like, if you mm -hmm. want to say, like, what is the American style? You think of like Iowa style, but obviously that's cha that's changing a, a yeah. lot, you know. And Russians, you think of say Satyev, but again, I think that's changing a lot. Um, so, yeah, Japan is the one style where I would say it is pretty. Or I'll say pretty it's the closest. well, Iran also. Iran also, right? Yeah, Iran. Iran's the most. <laughs> um, but Japan, I feel like, is the most like across the board similar. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. Man, I, I, 
I think she was she was open to, well, to answering well, the questions. Well, when she tell her, when, when we know when her film's coming out, we could have her back on and we could just chat it up some more. Yeah, I saw the extended trailer. They they sent me that too as they they reached out and to, to get Very Helen good. on here. It's really 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 good. Um, I'm I'm excited to see it. it. Looks like a million bucks and uh, yeah, obviously a great story. Um, yeah, it, that was one of the more interesting parts for me hearing about like oh she'll just like just change her style up to meld these two. Like I I just I think for Where's... so for so many wrestlers, I'm not just saying. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you see at college and uh, at the senior level, it's like the the style you get, the style you get with with so many different wrestlers, right? Yeah. And like, there's there's not a lot of change, and maybe the changes are are, are more subtle than I can realize. That's also definitely possible. Well, I mean, one of the things that I talked to Keegan a lot about last summer, leading into Junior Worlds, was um, he he has a lot of different tools in his toolbox, and. Mm-hmm. In order to be able to change tools, you have to have the tools. And if you can only do one thing, you can only do one thing. You know, like actually, I was coaching a younger wrestler at Freestyle State. Oh, it was it was a high school kid, but it was high school kid. He was wrestling someone else, and Mitchell said, "Well, you told me to do that thing against this guy. Why aren't you telling the wrestler you're coaching now?" I said, "He can't do that. Like, you know, like if he had that tool, I could say go implement this tool. But if you don't have it, you can't do it. You know." Right. So first you got to build all the tools. And, and so then what I was telling Keegan was, you know, every wrestler is, is like, a, I think about them like a puzzle. Um, and your goal is to figure out the puzzle. And now if you have like in America, if you have multiple cracks at them or you have film on them because they're in college, you can kind of take time to process that and think about the things, you know, like Keegan and I talked about before the car show match, we talked about a few things before the, Semi talked about a few things before Griffith talked about a few things that we, we, we both saw, you know, we, we we've evaluated independently, but then when you're going to junior world, it's like most of these dudes, you don't have film on. So your goal, you got to solve this MF and puzzle in six minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like a Rubik's cube and you're going fast, you know? And if you have, if you figure it out in a minute, you have five minutes to work. If you figure out in two minutes, you got four minutes to work, right? So the faster you can figure, feel this puzzle and you can figure it out, the better you can be. So in certain practices, I would wrestle him with different styles. And I would say, you need to figure out what I'm doing and what, you know, what my strength and weakness is. And then there is for every strength and weakness, there is a solve to it, right? There's a way to solve that puzzle. So solve it as fast as possible and then execute on it. One thing I, I get curious about uh, for, for wrestlers that have like giant tool, toolboxes let's say yeah. just they have a lot of stuff they could do they have a variety of leg attacks and a, a variety of ways to win can it be almost um more difficult to like have access to all that stuff when you have so many things yeah. at your disposal or how do you get to where not only can i execute all these like the being able to execute but then it being it would also recognize when it's available yeah and ha- to know when it's all available how do you get to that well, point the other thing is you got to get to a, a certain level, right? Because um, let's just, I'll just say, we'll just for the sake of simplicity, we'll say high school, uh, youth, high school, college, or let's just say high school, college, international, right? So if I could hit four takedowns at a high school level, but none of them work at a college level, well, I hit, I, then when I get to the college level, I have zero takedowns, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And if I have four that work in high school and then I get four that work in college, but zero work international, I have zero international level takedowns. So you have to get them to a certain level. It's not like you just make like eight takedowns. If, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And so like 
But like Keegan, if I put Keegan, because everyone knows him, right? If I put him at a high school level, he probably got 20 takedowns at work now. Yeah. You know, and I put him at the college, a lower level college, pretty much all of his takedowns are going to work. You know, higher level, now he, he he does have a handful still, but then I put him against Kyle Dake or Jordan Burroughs, it's right, he might not have anything that's going to work. So like there, there are levels to this theory, of course, and you have to be able to hit that level to be able to use the takedown or the, the move. Um, and so I think like with Keegan against a lot of guys at the college level, like all, all of them work. That doesn't really, honestly, it doesn't really matter what he chooses, but he should be able against that person. You know, again, back to the puzzle theory, he should be either able to know ahead of time and or feel it out quickly. What is going to work the easiest against this person? How am I going to dominate them as quickly as possible? And then, you know, against better guys, it's like, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to dominate this person, but how am I going to beat them? What is their weakness? You know, that type of thing. Got it. So you do have to be able to get to the level of like, I can use this. Like, you know, and it's, I just want to get on some of my high school kids about say just a single leg cut the corner, probably the most common takedown in wrestling. It's like, let's drill it. Well, we, we've been doing this since we were 10. We know this. Yeah, but how many of you guys can do it against every kid in the state, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, I have a few kids that can, but not all of them, not so all I, of them. And really, that's probably a small number. How many of you guys can just go hit this technique against any kid at Fargo? The number's not big, you know, so we got to get better at this technique. So how do, do you think repetitious drilling is like a big part no, of that? Okay, so what is it? Because I, well, I, th I think I think it's I think it's definitely some of it, but and then I think I think obviously it, it's a timing, it's a bell curve on timing. Your timing, the better you get, the the more the more narrow the bell curve becomes, and the the closer you to perfect time you have to shoot. Right, if you're a little kid and you got a decent single leg, you can pretty much shoot any time and score. You know, we're talking younger. But by the time you get to a high level high school, like you got to have pretty good timing on your setup to get to the leg. So you have to have a, uh, spend a bunch of time sparring the position to get there. Right. So obviously you have to have the technique of just, I can just do a single leg boom. Then you have to spar the the timing to get to it. Then once you get to it, you got to spar the finish portion and, and know like what all defenses can this person throw at me? Cause it surely it's not just gonna be one, right. It's not just be, they try to sprawl once they, once they miss a sprawl, I got them. Like that's right. Maybe they're going to try stuff in the head and spinning. Maybe they're going to come back in front of you. Maybe it's going to be some type of hip tip. Like, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of defenses that are going to be thrown. So develop the technique, spar the entry, right? Get the timing mm -hmm. and spar it and then go live kind of, and kind of to what Helen was saying about, um, uh, kind of to what Helen was saying about, you know, wrestling at the college. If you can't execute the technique, you're not going to get the timing. If the other person just too good, you know, and, and I always take this to extreme, like, well, if I had you wrestle Kale Sanderson, how many times are you gonna do that move? Zero. He, you can get it. He's just too much better than you. You're not gonna get it, right? So you got to be able to get the move, right? And that's why we do the sparring so everyone can have success, a little bit of success with the technique, and and then you spar both sides of it so you can get the timing, get the feel for things, and then obviously to be able to execute that at a higher and higher and higher level. Yeah. So, and it's hard. I mean, like. It's free. I'm, I'm saying I'm in theory. Um, yeah. Well, maybe in theory, I, I have a little better theory than a lot of people, but in th in my theory, it's still freaking hard. I mean, how many kids do I have that are ranked number one in the nation? You know, like a couple ever, you know, how many kids do I have that are college all American? A couple ever. Right. So it's like saying it is 
is one thing. And then actually executing on it is like uber, uber difficult. How many kids do we have to execute on the state level? A lot. There's a lot that are, get to that level, but getting jumping these levels is really challenging. How do you structure the 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 sparring? Just say for a single leg. How do you how do you get it get the kids to where they're able to do that? Uh, by the time they get to our old, oldest group, it's they they all pretty much got it. Um, but again, on, on what level do they got it? Is it state? Is it national? Is it college? Um, but you know, some days it's, Hey, they get to the leg and then spar. Some days it's, Hey, you got to get to the leg. Like that's literally, you know, the, the part is get to the leg. Um, some days it's live. You got to get to the leg, you know? And then, yeah, I, I, I just try to chop, I try to chop it up. I try not to make it one big chunk all that often because, you know, that's when you go back to, if you just say go, everyone's going to do what they can already do. And they're not going to develop any new skills, right? You have, you have to force that to a little bit. And, you know, like a big one we've been working on, because it was funny because all three of our coaches at um, Freestyle State were like, I, you know, I, I texted, hey, what, what did you see? What do we need to work on? Every single person was like, freestyle for headlock offense defense. So it's like, okay, this is what we're working on, right? So now we start with, hey, sometimes you have the, the chin and the arm. Sometimes you have a lock. Sometimes you have a tight lock, you know, and you're just kind of going through all these positions over and over. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> I just like listening. I don't have any follow-ups. Uh, so, and I obviously don't have anything to add. Uh, come on. Other, add other said, what do the 512 outlaws do there? Uh, for, what, what do you mean in terms of what? Oh, I said for headlock defense. That's what we were talking about. Um, I get the chin or I get the elbow and circle. Square you up, go. nice. Get get off, stay, get off your knees. Yeah, gotta get Definitely. your head across. Uh, Let me slide well, in freestyle, it's dangerous to come up to your feet. And I actually say, like, listen, in freestyle, yeah, not if you're not good, don't come to your feet because you're getting bombed. You know, it's it's actually harder to defend those type of positions if you're on your feet. And folks, obviously, you you don't want to stay down there. But in yeah. freestyle, you, you it makes me nervous if they don't know what they're doing to come up and then they get bombed for four. That and I always say fours were three twos because you need three twos to beat a four. Um, you know what I'm it's saying? Just high. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you always know, I mean, and then kind of tells to what Helen says like when we do those sparring, we always switch partners a whole bunch because every kid in the room does things a little bit differently. So you want to have like a lot of feels on how is someone gonna try to score on you from uh, for a headlock position. So you go with different partners. You think that's a big part of the the success that you just have a lot of different guys that can give different looks. Like you have, it's not just a group of like six hammers, but you've got like twenty, twenty five, or however many just competent wrestlers. Yeah, uh, that helps, but obviously it, it takes a long time to build build that right. It, it takes a lot of time and effort, and I th I think I sometimes I think about it because like is like, hey, what if I just took only eight of these kids? And just all I did all the time was work with eight of them, you know, like it would be easier to focus energy, but then it's like, but then I'm leaving a, a whole bunch out and I don't like that because I want to try to help as many people as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really nice with, um, you know, we have two separate high school groups and they both had uh, 30 kids on Monday at them. And this, and just, this is just in Heartland, right? Not in Madison or Mequon or, or Franklin or anywhere else. Um, but yeah, most of them in the room can do, you know, the majority of the basic techniques, at least like a state placer level. Yeah. I just, I just remember 
one of the things I coveted the most when, when I was coaching was the ability to move and, and change up the partners more to give guys different looks because no, normally we would have like, we would have like four like all state state finals kind of caliber guys, but then they just all just like those and they would be two different weights. And so the two just train together and can really no yeah. one else in the room other than the coach can even give a different feel. And then when they go live, it's just like, everything's the same situation. So like, yeah, finding ways yeah. to like make it so it wasn't so stale for them because they would just end up in the well, same position you gotta, every time. I'll tell you one thing. I put it on them. I put it on them yeah. to like as like uh you guys if you got and you know I start putting on them early like eighth ninth grade like if you guys don't take the time to go with anyone else then you're only gonna have each other forever and that is not positive you could grow apart in size so like you need to spread out and help and like so when you go there don't just beat their ass right like help them help them get better because you don't know who's going to be your main training partner in three or four years and it's going to be way more ideal if you have six guys your weight than if you have one if you have one guy that's really competitive your weight is not going to be hugely beneficial but if you have six and you you can be in charge of that and if you're just a dick to them and you just beat them up they ain't going to want to be here anymore they're not going to get better and so you need to, you know, I'm going to help also, but you also need to make that happen. Yeah. In your great. best interest. It's in everyone's best interest to make that happen. 100%. Okay. Um, want to hit a question before we go, or do we want to, why don't we, why don't we take these questions to tomorrow's show? Cause there are some good ones All in right. here. Uh, wait, there was one more that I saw. Uh, no, uh, I was I was gonna laugh because Wick Jacoby literally asks why do you hate Mizzou on every question. I think I don't hate Mizzou. <laughs> why do uh, you? Why is a different question. Do I? No, uh, no, I don't hate Mizzou. All right. Yeah, let's do the others under the text email. Let's do those two tomorrow. Okay, cool. All right. All right, that's the show. Thanks, Thank guys. you guys so much for tuning in. Special thanks to Helen Marulis for hopping on. That was awesome can't wait to watch her compete and for all the final x and all the great freestyle wrestling we have coming these next couple weeks it's going to be over fast it's the only sad part about it but the period of time where it's all happening with the trials and final x it's going to be glorious we'll be back tomorrow um i'll hit up shane see if he wants to rain check it and uh pop on Let's thursday go shane. he might have a call on thursdays some uh flow sports sales call i don't know um but if not we'll try to get him on here Thank you guys so much. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have our full World Team Trials breakdown, predictions. I don't know if I'm going to make predictions. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know. Because you know what happens? I'm well, Shane would. So we, if we're making predictions, we shouldn't have Shane on because he's going to be like, oh, I don't well, know who to pick. Freaking well, make yeah. a decision. Because literally what happens when I do it, I'll make a prediction on Thursday, and then I call the matches, and then it happens, and then Don Bradley's yelling at me. On Listen, the mic. that's part of the job. That's what we do here. All I want is to not get yelled at by Don Bradley is what it, is what it comes down to. You better pick him then. Fine, he's going to win. Shock the world, Don Bradley. All right, guys, thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Happy Wednesday. Goodbye. <laughs>